Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Mark chapter 8, Revelation chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for the Word of God. And we pray now that as we, with great expectancy, believe that you're going to do a supernatural work, that you would move in the hearts of your people. It's in your name we pray. Do any of you have any regrets? Go ahead, raise your hand, I'd like to see. Kevin? (laughs) Kevin, I always call you out on Thursday night. I don't know why, I just got like a beeline right towards you. I love you. He knows I love him with all my heart. Let me look at this side. Do you have any regrets, Pastor Pat? Pastor Pat, whenever he meets someone new, he always says, I'd like to apologize now for anything I may say in the future. (laughs) Love that man and his humility. Do you look back asking yourself, why did I waste so much time doing that? Like video games instead of passing high school. (laughs) Why did I spend so much time with that crowd? All it did was cost me a lot. Why did I stay so long with that girlfriend or that boyfriend? Do you look back at any part of your life and do you think I should have, I could have, or I would have? Many of you don't know this, but I started my career working in the public school system, but I didn't work for a public high school, I worked in the juvenile detention center. I'll never forget, there was a time in my class where everyone took out the number two pencil. One of my students got mad at another student, stabbed the student with the number two pencil. The very next day, all we used were Crayola markers. We never used pencils again. But I'll never forget looking at one of the kids, and I would say his name, but for his own protection... He looked at me, a kid who had murdered his mother. He said, Mr. Lowe, I wish I had someone like you in my home. I wish I could have done it differently. And I said, what do you mean? He says, because you have told me no. No one ever told me no. I did whatever I wanted when I wanted And now my whole life is going to be wasted because I'm going to be tried as adult and I will be in a jail cell the rest of my life. I wish I could do life over again. How many of us have those kind of regrets? And this is why each one of us should be so thankful for Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, our Sunday morning study, we read a verse that I need to read it again because it's so easy for us to pass over a truth that's found in Mark chapter 8. We'll pick it up in verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels, maybe you'll underline that, 
will save it. For what will it profit man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or his own spiritual life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own spiritual life? Stop there if you would. Jesus is giving some very practical advice. He doesn't want any of us to have spiritual regrets when we look back at our spiritual lives from the time we were given a second chance, from the time that we were born again. And he says, whoever loses his life for my sake. Let me tell you what he's saying. We talked about it on Sunday. And just as a reminder, whoever chooses to learn my way and live my way and do life my way, forsaking and suffering the flesh and choosing to live life my way. Let me tell you his way. Jesus, he didn't care about cultural constrictions. No. He chose to minister to a woman but was by a well. He definitely didn't care what the crowd had to say about it, especially his disciples. He didn't care about ethnic divides. The woman was from Samaria and he was a Jew. He went against an entire region and he ministered to a demon-possessed man who everyone wanted nothing to do with. That's the way of Jesus. Jesus marched right into racial tension by ministering to a Gentile Syrophoenician woman. Jesus ministered this kind of way where he chose to reach anyone in any place, at any time, because we are all sinners in need of the grace of God. He even went to his enemy's house for dinner, dinner, Simon the Pharisee, and he turned the script on a scribe who was out to get him, and Jesus turned it on him, and he, Jesus, was out to get him. That is the kind of life that Jesus says that we are called to. But I don't want us to overlook something. Take a look again at verse 35. The Bible says in Mark chapter 8, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, and the gospel's sake, will save it. After teaching engaging your world, there's no way that I can pass over this. Jesus, he doesn't want us to have any spiritual regrets in the spiritual life that he's offered to us. So he's giving us some good advice. You see, when we were born again, he gave us a new life. He gave us a second chance on life. And when we look back at our spiritual life and we see from the time we were born again to the time of our death, he doesn't want us to have any regrets. So he says this, what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? In other words, you won't get this life again. You can never have this moment again. And what he's saying is, looking back on your life, you're not going to get another redo. Because once time is gone, time is gone. And each one of us in this room have an appointment. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says that we all have an appointment with death. And he's making it very clear. I don't want you to regret the way you lived your spiritual life. And what he's saying in this statement, make your spiritual life about the gospel. 
That's what he's saying. Now, what does it mean to make your life about the gospel? Now, I'm going to ask us three questions. Maybe you'll write them down. What does it mean to make our lives about the gospel? You're a good person. You came to church on a Thursday night. God bless you. You're listening online. In fact, you listened to three podcasts earlier before you even came here. I mean, you go to women's Bible study. You go to men's life. You go to student life. I mean, you're involved. You've been to all the retreats. You've done the march of life. I mean, you served in kid life. You served in student life. Then you got married and you served in married life. And now you're over 75 and you're serving a geriatric life. Excuse me. I mean, seasoned life. I'm going to get there. Each of these things are good. They're all good. But not one, of them deci- not one of them defines the gospel life that Jesus is speaking about. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Calvary Chapel, South Bay. Oh, excuse me, Ephesus. Because you've got to remember that the church, the letter is written to the church of Ephesus, but he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let me rephrase and add this, not to add the Scripture to take, but to make it clear to us, to the church at Calvary Chapel, South Bay. These things, he says, verse 1, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know you go to retreats. I know your labor. I know you served in kid life. I know your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. I know you stand for the word at Calvary Chapel. You've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. Did you see that? They were living for the name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Calvary Chapel South Bay, this church was busy about kid life, student life, married life. This church was busy about retreats, This church was busy about the march of life. This church was busy about serving and harvest festival. This church was very busy about the namesake of Jesus. They had learned the way that Jesus lived, and they were putting the way that Jesus lived into practice. However, there was one thing missing as time began to progress over 35 years of the church at Calvary Chapel, South Bay. Excuse me, Ephesus. 35 years later, here we are at the church of Ephesus. And there was one thing that was missing. And we've got to ask ourselves, potentially, is this letter being written to me and to each of us? There was one thing missing. They had forgotten their first love. You see, Jesus said, whoever will lose his life for my name's sake. They were doing that well. They learned and lived. But he also said, whoever will lose his life for the gospel's sake. How is that connected to they had lost their first love? Take a look at this picture. 
There she is. Timon's first love. Her name is Emilai. Emily we, is her name, but I, I call her Emily and now Timon calls her Emily and I hope he's not calling her baby honey or sweetie yet, but that is my son. Now, I've asked for permission from girlfriend and from Timon to do this, so he's sitting right there. He's not shocked by this moment, but that is his first love. And let me tell you something about Emily and or Timon and my conversations with him. Every conversation leads to Emily. Every con- we could be talking about bacon. Well, Emily likes bacon. I I don't really care that Emily likes bacon. I'm talking to you about bacon. And, oh, okay. Let's talk about taxes. Oh, that reminds me, Emily's doing her taxes this week. Can we just have a conversation time? We go out on a date night every Tuesday, but we couldn't do it last Tuesday, so we did it this past Wednesday. We go to the gym, and I am talking to him about college life and going off every date night we do. I have some topic that we discuss, and so last, uh, I think two weeks ago, we did technology and productivity, and I said, I want you to surrender technology a half hour a day and be productive for that half hour a day, and we have these, so this, we had a conversation about college. Surprise, surprise, here I am trying to talk to him about being responsible when he goes to college, and he goes to Emily. This is what he says to me. Yeah, Dad, I think Emily are going to make it, even though it'll be long distance. I'm talking to you about being responsible. I want to be responsible with Emily. He has no problem with his first love having all conversations lead to Emily. Let me tell you why. She is in his heart. And he wants the world to know I'm in a relationship with Emily. I think you're beginning to understand. You see, Timon has no problem with the Emily gospel. He has no problem telling the good news of Emily. If he's sitting on an airplane, their picture will come up of Emily. If he is standing in a line in Target, he's got no problem talking to someone about Emily. If he is, and I could go on and on and on, but I think you're beginning to see why Jesus said, I see what you're doing for my name's sake, but what are you doing for the gospel's sake? You see, we're in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're in a love relationship with Jesus Christ, he's to be in our heart. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The church got so busy doing the namesake of Jesus, they lost the relationship with Jesus. I understand this. I'm the parent of nine children. When Andre and I first got married... All of my illustrations were about my blonde Christian babe. All of my conversation was about, I cannot believe that I got Andrea. Everything was about, did you see this picture? Did you see where we went here? Did you see where we went here? But then all of a sudden, the first kid, second kid, third kid, fourth kid, fifth kid, sixth kid, all of a sudden, all of my seventh, eighth, and ninth, okay? All of my illustrations began to change. 
Now I'm talking about my kids and their soccer games and their baseball games and taking them here and taking them where. And my heart and our hearts as a married couple, all of a sudden we can get focused on our children and the relationship of our marriage begins to change to a relationship with our children. But can I remind you couples, they will leave. You're not married to your children. You are married to your spouse. So what Andre and I decided to do at the very beginning of our marriage was to have a date night where we would invest into our relationship because we had watched couples after 25 years of raising children, they didn't even know their spouse 25 years later. Something happened in the relationship. You've got to nurture a relationship. And I want to show you a church that did this very, very well. Turn with me now to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, we're going to pick it up in chapter 1, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Take a look at this Thessalonican church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. I didn't just preach to you. But also in power you saw things in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance. The Holy Spirit is the power that was impacting the gospel. And as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your name, for your sake. In other words, we also lived the gospel in front of you. We weren't hypocrites. And you became followers of us and of the Lord. In other words, you had a heart for the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Does it sound like the MLI gospel? There was joy. They received. They didn't care what they went through. They had Jesus. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Acacia who believe. Take a look at verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded, has trumpeted forth. Not only Macedonia and Acacia, but also in every place all around the world. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They were not going to go the way of the world, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The Thessalonians had a relationship with Jesus. This is the very beginning of this church. They're only a few weeks old when Paul writes this letter, and they are passionately in love with Jesus. And in just a few weeks, do you read what the Apostle Paul wrote was the testimony of this church? They told the entire world about Jesus. You see, this church were losing their life, not just for the namesake, but for the gospel's sake. This church would have no regrets. This church took Jesus' advice seriously, and they didn't want to waste their spiritual life. I heard one pastor say they were more concerned about spreading the gospel than the spread that was on their table. I don't want you to think it was easy, because I think sometimes we think in the first century world that they just walked in and said, hey, would you like to know Jesus? And everyone goes, yes, we want to know Jesus, and fell down. 
I think we think that it was just like, it was different back then. It's not, it wasn't as hard as it is now. I mean, do you know how scary it is at my work to talk about Jesus? I mean, come on. It's like, it couldn't have been like it was in the first century world. Um, let's watch and let's take a look. Would you look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? Just look at verse 14. I want you to see how difficult it was. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. This church was undergoing death and sufferings, but the gospel was going forth with power. It wasn't easier back then. It was actually more difficult. They didn't live in a country that said, in God we trust. They didn't have 2,000 years of church history. The world was serving all kinds of gods. And if you didn't bow down to Caesar Augustus and take the mark of Caesar Augustus, you couldn't even get a job. But yet the gospel was going forth. Because they had a love relationship with Jesus, and they couldn't keep him to themselves. And let me tell you why. They had come to know the truth as to what was at stake for people's eternity. Would you take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10? And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us, underline this, from the wrath to come. So now I need to ask a second question. Here it is, number two. What is the gospel? I need to warn you. To begin the answer, it has to begin with bad news. And many in the church are wasting their spiritual life because they don't want to express the bad news of the gospel. Wait a second, Pastor Ted, I thought gospel meant good news. No, 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 it starts with bad news. And many people don't want to express the bad news of the gospel, but I have some good news for you. Don't worry about it. Apparently, the world loves to hear bad news. I looked it up on a statistic. 90% of all news media is negative. The world loves bad news. So we got to get over any fear of expressing the bad news of the gospel. And here's the bad news. There is wrath to come. It's bad news. I mean, it's really bad news. And to express this bad news, we have two eyewitnesses of this wrath. The first is Jesus. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, about this place where wrath is called hell. Oh, did he just use H-E double hockey sticks? Did he just use the hell word in church? Pastor Chet, that word, I mean, I'll never forget about 15 years ago, I spoke at a church. And before I spoke, they asked me not to use the word hell or the blood of Jesus. Do you know what I started the sermon with? Today we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus, and without it, you're going to hell. Oh, you're just getting to know me. 
Don't ever tell me no when my Jesus tells me yes. So, look what Jesus says about H-E double hockey sticks. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Do we have it? Guess we don't. Matthew 25, verse 41, the Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It is foolishness to think that God sends people to hell. Calvinism is wrong. He didn't even create hell for people. People send themselves to hell because they reject the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the offer of salvation. Jesus says it was prepared for the devil and his angels. There's no one better to talk about hell than the one who prepared it for the devil and his angels. Matthew chapter 23, verse 33. When Jesus is speaking about hell, he says this, serpents speaking to the Pharisees, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Does anyone worry about whether or not Jesus believes in hell? He is speaking the truth to people who don't believe, and he's saying to them, you escape the condemnation of hell. You're not going to escape the condemnation of hell. In fact, Jesus tells a story in Luke 16 about a rich man and Lazarus. And I believe that the story was a current event, not a parable. And that a real rich man had died and a real poor man had died. And Jesus was giving the understanding of where the rich man was tormented in the flame and where the Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. And the Bible says that the rich man was tormented. Now I need to let you know what this word means. Tortured afflicted with pain, vexed, and constantly harassed. No wonder Jesus would say of H-E double hockey sticks that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been harassed before by your little brother or little sister? (laughs) Just imagine doing this for eternity. (laughs) Because you're being constantly harassed. Jesus, I call him to the witness stand, and Jesus believes in hell. But I want to call someone else to the witness stand. His name is the Apostle John because he is also an eyewitness. And he lets us know that he was an eyewitness to this place of eternal separation from God. It's Revelation. You don't need to turn there. You'll see it on the screen, I believe. Revelation 19, look at verse 17. Then I saw an angel. Then I saw an angel. Now take a look down, if you would, down to verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. He saw it. He was an eyewitness. God gave him a visual. Now would you take a look at Revelation chapter 20, the very next verse. In Revelation 20, 10, he saw the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. John knew what a lake was. And he knew what fire was. And the best way that he could describe as an eyewitness was what he saw was a lake of fire. A lake of fire. Have you ever been burned? 
We used to have to cook on an open fire every day for six years in Liberia. Six years. So to make breakfast, you had to do a fire. To do lunch, which we didn't eat because we didn't want to make a fire, we didn't eat lunch. We went straight to dinner. Now, we were cooking for 26 people that lived in our home. So we cooked like 15 cups of rice a day on a fire. Okay? Now, the reason why we had 26 people living in our home is I had to have a small army like Abraham just to survive through the war. So that anyone tried to break in, I had 26 young men that would fight with me to protect my home. Now, I'll never forget, we used to get coal, and we would make the coal, we'd cut down wood, we would, I won't go to the whole process, but sometimes the coal would pop. Have you ever seen a popping fire? I'll never forget. One little piece of coal, little tiny piece. I mean, when I say little, like pinhead little piece of burning ember popped out of the fire and landed right in between my toes because I had flip-flops on. I screamed like a five-year-old girl. I tried to pull my toes apart so that I could get this little tiny piece of pinhead out from between my toes. It left a third-degree burn. I thought my toes would fuse together. It burned so bad. I can't imagine a lake of that for an eternity. Tormented and harassed. Are you beginning to see why Jesus said, for the gospel's sake? Because the Thessalonians, they knew there was a wrath to come. And they were doing everything in their power to give people the good news. Now, I've given you the bad news. There's a hell. But the answer to what is the gospel also has good news. Listen to this. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn there with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, bonus verse for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to give you a moment to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the entire book of 1 Corinthians leads to this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, take a look with me if you would see in verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Christ conquered death and can save us from eternal hell. With encapsulated within this one verse is that Christ lived a life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die and he rose again conquering death and he's the only one that can give eternal life. Church, that is good news. That's why we worship. Now, what's amazing to me, look how simple it is. It's one little verse. You know why? We wouldn't be able to remember anything else. And God did all the complicated work to make it simple for us that if we would just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we shall be saved. 
Paul made it even simpler. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, in other words, he came from the right line, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The gospel is simple. Jesus Christ died for your sins, and he rose again on the third day, conquering death. It's the beauty of the gospel. And the beauty of the gospel is that it seems like all hope is lost. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all this bad news, the knight in shining armor comes in to save the day. Think of a movie. The whole plot of the entire movie is how things go from bad to worse. And then all of a sudden, in the last scene, everything gets good. So you walk out of the movie theater thinking, wow, that was a great movie. Every Hallmark movie has the same plot destructive relationship, and then all of a sudden it comes back together again. Let me tell you something about Hollywood. Hollywood stole the bad news, good news approach from the gospel. Stole it from the gospel. Just when you're thinking there's no hope, just when you're thinking that they are eternally condemned, Christ comes marching in. Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the good news of the gospel. He pulled us out of darkness. He pulled us out of death. And he brought us into light. He gave us eternal life with God and an abundant life on earth. Gang, this is good news. So the next question is going to be, what am I going to do with this good news? What am I going to do with this? Many of us have known the good news for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But when you look back at your life, have you followed the advice of Jesus for the gospel's sake. What am I going to do about this gospel? The answer is simple. The answer is simple if you have a love relationship with Christ. Paul said this, the love of Christ compels me. I'm so in love with Christ that Christ just pours out of me. It's just like timing. I'm so in love with Emily, I just talk about her no matter what. I mean, I can talk about her over bacon. I can talk about her on the plane. I can talk about her at Target. I can talk about her everywhere. Is Christ in you so much with this love relationship, it doesn't matter where you are, who you're with, that he will just come flowing out of you. You just can't help yourself to talk about Christ. In fact, all topics, no matter what you're talking about, leads to Jesus Christ. There's an ice cream that I love in Florida. We don't have it here in California. And when I was recently in Florida two weeks ago, I bought some. The ice cream's name is Trinity. Even Jesus named it. I love this ice cream. I always try to bring some back with me. Surprisingly, it melts. And there at the check stand, getting my Trinity. Oh, you like the Trinity? It's amazing how you can use ice cream. You see, when you've got Jesus in your heart, all roads lead to him. All roads lead to him. Do you know what the Apostle Paul said? Is this your passion? Listen carefully, church. Because I don't want you to regret your spiritual life and look back next year and have not led anyone to the Lord. He said this, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 
Can I tell you something? We are surrounded by people that are facing an eternity without God. I got my hair cut today. <laughs> Alyssa, I love you. And I was talking to Todd. Todd's right over here. And I said, Todd, why are people afraid to tell the gospel? And he told me a story. He said, you know, there's a non-Christian comedian. He does not love God. He does not love God. And he makes fun of Christians, and this is what he says. Listen carefully. The greatest form of hatred, you loving Christians, is to know someone will be tormented in hell for an eternity and not tell them how to be saved. That's a non-Christian making fun of Christians. Now go with me. Look at the screen if you would. After Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, look what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 17. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, in other words, I'm afraid and I don't want to do it. But if against my will, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. He says, listen, if you do it from your heart because you've got a love relationship, you're going to get a reward. But you still don't have an excuse not to do it. Because even if you don't want to do it, do it because Jesus asked you to. Just do it. Tell the people the bad news. Tell the people the good news. Is it possible? That eternal separation. Eternal separation from God. Could be written in our hands for someone's name. When I was 16 years old, we lived in Florida, and the snowbirds would always come down. And they can't drive. Some of them couldn't even see over the steering wheel. I'm talking about 85, 90 year old people from New York City who would drive like they were in New York City, and they would like, were looking over the window. So, uh, at 16, because I was such a good driver at 16 years old, <laughs> I was so judgmental of anyone that could not drive as good as me. But I knew I was called to ministry. So I volunteered at a nursing home. I, I wanted to fall in love with older people. I wanted to understand where they were at and What's their plight in life? I knew God had called me to ministry, so I couldn't have this judgmental spirit just because I didn't think they could drive good. And how judgmental am I at 16 years old who thinks I can drive better than someone who's been driving for 50? That's the point. There's one man. Hey, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, I'd always say. I left the nursing home, and the Lord's Spirit spoke to me. Tell him about me today. I left. I'll do it next week. I went into his room. Two days after I left, he met his eternal destination. That night at 16 years old, I had a dream. And I was walking down a hallway, and the hallway got hotter and hotter and hotter. And I opened the door, and I could hear his voice. Screaming. Founder of Salvation Army says this. I wish I could hold all of my employees 
over hell for 30 minutes so they can see why I started the Salvation Army. Can you imagine that experience? You might say, Pastor Chet, you're kind of giving us a trip. I don't know if I like this study. I'm not done. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Period. Because Jesus believes in hell. And Jesus passionately gave his life not for us to simply go on a retreat or to serve at kid life. Though all those things are for his namesake. It's what Jesus would do. He came to set an example for us. I'm going to prove it to you. Take a look at the screen. It's Luke chapter 4, and this is where we're going to close. Jesus said, picked up the book of Isaiah. He stood up in the synagogue and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, me, speaking of himself, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. Let me just say, mic drop. Gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Eyes of all were on the synagogue, were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, listen to the scripture, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Did you hear what Jesus said? I've been set apart to preach the gospel. I've been set apart to preach the gospel to those whose lives have been bankrupt by trying to keep up with the world and they've lost everything. I've been anointed to preach the gospel to heal those who are brokenhearted by the impact of a sinful world and sinful people, experience broken homes and broken relationships and broken lives, the gospel is good for them. I've anointed to preach the gospel, to provide freedom to those enslaved to addictions. The gospel is good for them. It's good news. I've been anointed to preach the gospel, to redeem those drowning in darkness in the, in, in the way of the world and its way of thinking, like preaching to our boys that you're a girl and preaching to our girls you're a boy. The gospel is good in that situation. The gospel is good to bring freedom to those oppressed by racism and classism or any otherism that uses another as a stepping stool for selfish gain. The gospel is bold enough to go there. And did you read what Jesus did? He said this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your, hit, in your hearing. And my question, you're the body of Christ today. You're the body of Christ. I'm the body of Christ. 
Can I make this claim and can I say, today I'm preaching the gospel. I'm marching into that dark situation and I'm going to say, let there be light. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that next week. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of Jesus is in you. And He wants to still seek and save the lost. This is how the Spirit glorifies Christ within us. And He's in you. And He's in me. And that's why Jesus said to those who had the Spirit, preach the gospel. Take a look at this map. Do you see all that yellow? That's us. And when I saw this map, I realized we've already taken over LA. It's time to do our job. We have people coming from Bakersfield and Santa Clarita, Santa Monica all the way down to San Diego, and all the way east, as far as you can see. They come every week. We've taken over Southern California. Do we hear the Spirit of Christ within us saying, preach the gospel. Lose your life for my name's sake and for the gospel's sake, follow the advice of Jesus so that when you look back on your spiritual life, you have learned and you've lived, Jesus, and you have preached the gospel. Church, don't forget the challenge that Jesus gave the disciples. He said this, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at L.A., Look at the fields. They're already white for the harvest. Church, hear the Spirit. Preach the gospel. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.